You are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. In the small leather-bound Bible that sits on the table beside my reading chair at home, The opening portion of tonight's Gospel reading is titled, The Call of Matthew. It is an almost starkly brief episode. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. And here Stanley Hauerwas comments, What did Matthew think he was doing? Did he feel guilty about being a tax collector? Was there an emptiness in his life that he saw Jesus filling? But such questions should be resisted. All we need to know is that Matthew followed him, a following that makes sense only if Jesus is the one with authority to forgive sins. This is then followed by an episode in which Jesus is at dinner with many tax collectors, including Matthew, and sinners, and sitting with him and his disciples, which riles up the hostility of some Pharisees, whose sense of religious propriety, what's right, what's wrong, is mightily offended. Why in heaven's name Does your teacher keep company and share a meal with that lot of losers, reprobates? Doesn't he know better? To which Jesus replies, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And that's a saying from the prophet Hosea. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And again from Stanley Hauerwas, the Pharisees' desire to live holy lives is right, but the critical issue is the grounds of holiness. The Pharisees ask Jesus' disciples why Jesus by eating with sinners, defies what they think is required of the law. They seem hesitant to ask Jesus directly, but he hears their challenge and in response makes clear his differences with them. He's come to the sick, not the well. It is the sick who need mercy. It seems that holiness begins with the recognition that we are not well. Which, of course, begs the question, namely, were the Pharisees already well? Jesus uses the medical image of the physician, essentially saying to them that these tax collectors could see that they are not well, they're not healthy, they have needs. And so he will meet with them, talk with them, share a meal with them, because they know their need and they are open about it. Those who are well have no need of a physician, he says, 
But are the Pharisees actually all that well? That's one of the questions, the the tensions that underlies a good many of Jesus' parables. The Good Samaritan, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, for instance, as well as a good number of his interactions. Recall when the Pharisee Nicodemus comes to him to talk to him in the dark of night so that nobody would see him going there. If we're honest, can any of us ever be entirely well on our own steam? Or don't all of us need that lovely thing called grace? To say nothing of the company of one another when we're facing particularly hard patches in our lives. I believe, strongly believe, from my own experience, that we need grace and we need one another. It would seem that those simple words he speaks to Matthew, follow me, in Greek, aku olethe moi, were all that Matthew needed to begin to recognize his need to set down what he'd been doing and join Jesus' company of disciples. Two words. That's all he needs. Thirty-five years ago today, I knelt in St. John's Cathedral and was ordained a priest by our then bishop, Walter Jones. Some seven years before that, I had had absolutely no sense that priestly ministry would be my call, my life. No sense. I knew what I was going to do with my life, or I thought I knew. I was studying at the University of Winnipeg. I was working away at a degree in psychology with an eye towards a master's in clinical psych. Now, I, I... Honestly, I wasn't all that riveted by my studies in psychology, not for the most part. But I knew already that I loved to work with troubled kids. It's what I was doing part-time all the way through my studies. So this was going to be the path. I, I had to tolerate psychology at the University of Winnipeg to get to where I needed to go. I was also doing a minor in religious studies, which in retrospect was actually where my passions and deeper interests lay, but I didn't really want to confront that then. In a recent podcast hosted by Jennifer Weens that some of you will have heard, I told the story of how I experienced a strong and repeated nudging toward acknowledging that I might indeed have a call to ministry. So I'm not going to repeat that all here. We'll, we'll, we'll put a link to that podcast in the, along with the sermon post this, this week. But suffice it to say that it took about six months of being nudged by ten different people before I more or less surrendered and went to talk to my parish priest here at All Saints, whose opening comment was, I wondered when you were going to call me about this. At that point, I still had a year of university to go, followed by a year in which I worked and saved money for my theological studies. 
then three years in Toronto, attending Trinity College came next, which was an exciting and invigorating time. I loved my studies. I had field placements in two different parishes and in the Toronto East Detention Centre. I worked one summer at the detention centre as well and another summer in a church-run storefront drop-in centre and food bank. It was, it, was, it was just full of life. When I, I returned to Winnipeg, it was to take up a position as the clergy assistant at St. Paul's Church in Fort Garry. And I was ordained a deacon on January 20, or June, sorry, 24th, 1987, the Nativity of John the Baptist, and then priested on St. Barnabas Day, that's today, 35 years from right now, 1988. But you know, even with all those years of preparation, those voices of affirmation, the studies and field placements, a full year as deacon at St. Paul's, the week before I was to be ordained a priest, I found myself strangely anxious, incredibly anxious, unsure of myself, in fact. And I spoke to that in my sermon at St. Paul's on the final Sunday before my ordination. Honestly, just spoke to it because that was my community. And after the liturgy, a woman came to me. She looked me just clearly, firmly in the eyes, and she said, Come to me across the water, Peter. She was, of course, referencing the story of Jesus walking on the water, and Peter, dear Peter, saying to him, Lord, command me to come to you across the water. Come to me, Peter, Jesus says. Come to me across the water. And so Peter steps out, but soon falters, afraid, and he begins to sink in the storm. But I heard in that woman's reference to that story a clear message. Step forward and trust. Trust in a way that at that moment Peter couldn't. Or at least he couldn't once he confronted the reality of what he was doing. Step forward, Jamie, and trust. Don't fear the storms. Don't fear the waves. Just come. And so I did. The ordination took place on the morning of June 11th, 1988. It was one of those fiercely hot and humid days. The temperature in St. John's Cathedral had soared. And I remembered having a kind of a modest dread of how hot it was going to be in my vestments. Yet once the liturgy began, I was completely unaware of the heat. By the time I was kneeling in front of Bishop Walter to receive the laying on of hands, I was aware only of his words and the weight of his hands on my head. It was right, and it was good, and I've never once looked back with any sense of regret or second-guessing this call. Follow me, 
Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. And he did, just like that. It took me seven years, and I still had to wrestle with those last-minute jitters and nerves in that final week. So maybe I envy Matthew just a little bit for the simple and straightforward way in which he could just get up and follow his Lord. Then again, like him, what it took was having to confront my own need for grace and mercy and then the courage to follow as the best I've been able I'd not traded away for all of the gold in the world. And I think it's probably fair to say, neither would Matthew. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.